to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. Rob, what it do? What's up? What's up? Chilling, bro. Listen, man. I, I got a question for you, Rob. Uh, you know, you got a job. You like your job? It's cool. Can't complain. Cool, bro. Paying me through COVID, you know what I'm saying? They, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look, I like my job, too. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we got a couple of dudes in sports without jobs. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, Carson Wentz. His ass ain't got no job. Uh, Greg Williams for the New York Jets tanking for Trevor. He ain't got no job. Uh, our boy Anthony Lynn that we took up for last week, losing 45 nothing. He about to not have a job. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't defend the 45 nothing asking. They they I mean they just so many, you know, head scratching mistakes too by the charges. It's just it's getting harder and harder to defend this man. Yeah. <laughs> 45 nothing kind of says it all. It ain't too much to come back from for that. How was how was the week, bro? You made it back to Miami. How, how listen, was, listen, it was a, it was a good week, you know. Still celebrating the birthday a little bit. Got out to my first uh, Dolphins game. Um, up in the suite, living a good life. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, it's not. It's not you know the same. You look in the stands. There's no people in the stands. Obviously, in the suite, it's just you and the people that you know, two or three people, and and you know they didn't have no chefs in there coming with food, none, <laughs> none of that type of stuff. But it is a nice view from up there. Um, so I enjoyed that. Dolphins got the win. Uh, also got to see a nice, uh, nice little fight out on the field so it was a good week good week good good yeah they, 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 dolphins we're gonna talk about them a little later but uh you know quiet has kept them boys eight and four you know they did it was a lot of talk when they gave uh two of the job at three and three but um you know he missed a game or two between that but but all in all that dolphins team is playing for brian Flores. so yeah they showed up and showed up yeah that's what's up i mean man. i mean you know I, it would have been a lot more fun of a game if joe burrow would have been there to play i would have right. loved to see Tua versus burrow bama versus Definitely. lsu um but you know, still good to just just get out and see some football. Yeah, well, we saw Bam against LSU on the field, and uh, that that wasn't too pretty. But we we gonna get to that a little later too. Let's start off though with the NBA. Man, they got a lot of news for for a season that hasn't started. And, and you know, typically the NBA season starts uh, kind of low key. You know, the NFL is revving up for playoffs, so so this is unlike the NBA. You know, with having a lot of storylines before the season even starts. So let let's get to it. Uh, first thing first, LeBron and AD both signed contract extensions. LeBron has a two-year, $85 million extension, um, and AD signs five years, $190 million. So they're making that boy Rich Paul really, really rich. Um, and that's basically solidified the Lakers um, with their core stars for the next three years. So in your eyes, Rob, are the Lakers the favorite to repeat this year? Yeah, I mean, I got to make them the favorites to repeat just because, you know, I was one of those people who said I I thought the Clippers were the favorites, right? Mm-hmm. And then I even pointed out, like, the Warriors and, and teams like the Rockets. Okay, so the Rockets fell apart. Russell Westbrook is out. James Harden doesn't want to report. Warriors, Clay Thompson, uh, tear something again. I don't think Kelly Oubre is going to be able to, in any way, shape, or form, replace the output of, a, of uh, Clay Thompson. And then the Clippers. I mean, we'll get to it later, but we're, it's almost like we're witnessing an implosion of that locker room framework. And I, I, I hesitate to even use the word chemistry because apparently there was never any chemistry. Take away the coach. You take away Montrez Harrell. You take away Jermichael Green. You know, some of the pieces that were the framework for that seven seed team that looked so good that made um, Kawhi and Paul George want to come there in the first place. So I, I can't make them the favorite. And, you know, then what does that leave really for me to talk about? Denver, 
Um, I don't think that Denver got better. Um, and quite frankly, I feel like the Lakers did. So I think you got to make them the favorite. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you're the, they're the favorites. Not only do they sign the two stars, but they replace Mark Gasol uh, for uh, they replaced Dwight Howard with Marcus Gasol. They replaced Rondo with Dennis Schroeder. I think in both cases that significant upgrades. Um, you know, although Rondo had a great playoff run, but Danny, I think Schroeder's, Danny Green with Wesley Matthews. Exactly. I think all in all, they're just a much better team, top to bottom. I think they, you know, got more depth off the bench. So I definitely think they're the favorites. The other issue or, or the other um, storyline coming out of the, the contract extensions is that this contract puts LeBron to playing at, you know, through 20 years in a league. And it allows him to become a free agent the year his son, Bronny, graduates from high school. And there's a lot of chatter about, you know, Le LeBron's, you know, what his greatest NBA accomplishment would be, would be to share the court with his son, whether it be as a teammate or an opponent. So do you think that happens? I don't know. I think that, um, to me, obviously, the bigger accomplishment is going to be the fact that he's going to likely end up leading the league in scoring. And then I think we've talked about this before, but be top five in assists, I think, by that point. Um, and so to me, that's the bigger accomplishment. Do I think he'll end up playing with his son? Listen, I, I'm not I'm not enough of a, a follower of basketball recruiting to, to really give an answer on that, whether or not I think that his son is capable of making the jump straight to the NBA. Obviously, as an owner of a team, you can do a little bit of anything. So the kid could go pro, not get drafted, and you could pick him up as an undrafted free agent. But I don't think that that would be good for Bronny. You know what I'm right. saying? And my understanding, just from people who, you know, having friends and family kind of out on the AAU circuit, for his age group, Bronny was never necessarily the consensus number one player, right? Right. So I don't know that he's a, a surefire um, lottery kid in, you know, I guess it's three years because um, he's going to be going into his sophomore year. But, you know, you never know. I mean, he's clearly not as a recruit where his dad was at this point. Right. right like at correct. this point, people were already doing features on LeBron James uh, at the age of 16. Right. right. So he's clearly not there. Um, but, you know, things can change over time. I would hate to see a situation, though, where the kid rushes himself to the NBA just to try to get on the court with his dad. Right. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. But as it stands right now, Bronny is a 6'2 shooting guard. Um, mm -hmm. So he's by no means a top five prospect in his class. Well, and, I, and I will say, I saw a picture of him the other day working from workouts with his dad. I feel like, and, I, you know, um, I, I wasn't there. I, in the photo, you can't really see the feet. But it looked like this kid has grown two or three inches. Okay. Um, just based on the height next to his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be awesome for it to happen. I hope it happens. But like you said, I, I hope it doesn't happen just to satisfy LeBron's dream. And, and if the kid isn't ready and it's not best for his career long term. Right. Now, off the court, there's probably been more news in, in, in the NBA circles than, than has been on. So there's been a lot of beefs coming out. Uh, we're going to start with LeBron and Kyrie. Kyrie was on KD's podcast about a month ago or so, you know, made some comments, uh, a, a number of comments. But one that stood out was was Kyrie mentioned that KD was going to be the first player he played alongside that he had the same amount of confidence in, in making clutch shots as himself. 
Thus, everybody took that, and, and you know, I thought that as well, that it was a shot at LeBron. Kyrie basically saying that LeBron wasn't clutch. LeBron didn't comment as those comments were made during the NBA Finals in the bubble, uh, but LeBron was featured on Road Tripping Podcast with uh, Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson. And in, in the two-hour podcast, LeBron addressed those comments and, and came out and said that, it, you know, he was hurt by the comments. He was hurt by the comments, and then he went on to basically throw in Kyrie's face that LeBron is the only reason for him not being clutch. He is the only reason Kyrie has a title as well as a signature shoot. LeBron went on to say how his relationship with Nike, his his lifetime deal with Nike, enabled him to uh, to to you know put a shout out there for Ky Ky Kyrie and, and uh, basically tell the Nike executives that Kyrie deserved his own signature shoe line. What's your thoughts on the, on the whole beef as it stands? I mean, just on the entirety of the beef, you kind of, you, you hate to see it. You know, you hate to see Do you? Uh, guys who were once teammates, <laughs> you know, I, I, listen, as a black man, I hate to see two <laughs> successful black men uh, not be able to see the bigger picture. And I, when I say, two black men not be able to see the bigger picture. I'm speaking mostly to Kyrie because I feel like in listening to LeBron talk, I feel like he does see the bigger picture. And I feel like, um, you know, you could argue that he could have just taken the high road and not responded, but I'm not going to lie. I kind of like in this situation, him giving um, the bigger picture. And I only say that because I feel like, the where he's at right now, Kyrie, he probably can't make the phone call and have this conversation. Apparently, they already had that phone call, right? And we all heard about it and we thought that the beef was squashed. So, you know, anytime I get on the phone with a person and we try to squash beef privately, if you then come out and say what Kyrie said, which to anybody would appear to be shots fired, um, I guess it's only reasonable at that point for LeBron to say something. Um, and and what he did say to me was, I think, an effort to kind of explain to Kyrie, like, I only ever wanted the best for you, and I only ever extended a helping hand to you. Now, the other side of that, right, the other side of that is we all saw the clips of LeBron whispering into Lonzo Ball's ear, right, which was very reminiscent of when LeBron was whispering in Kyrie's ear right before he came there. So, you know, the other side of it is that Kyrie would probably argue, listen, dude, you were going to leave and you did leave. And I just didn't want to be left high and dry. Um, and, and so the fact remains, even if they were going to ultimately part ways, I think that the whole situation could have been handled a lot better. Uh, majority by, by Kyrie's camp. Um, and I just, you know, I, I hate to see a situation where, you know, we got to wait like 20 years for like a, Kobe and Shaq sit down with these guys, you know, finally make friends again. Shaq uh, and Penny 30 for 30. Right. Or who was it? Uh, I mean, these two didn't play together, Magic and Isaiah, but you know, the, the tearful embrace after all these years. Um, grown men, you know, I, I'd like to see grown men be able to, this is all ego. Yeah, All of this stuff is all ego. And in this situation, I feel like, I feel like Kyrie and KD specifically both resent LeBron a little bit because you got one with these dominant handles and you got this another who's like seven footer with, you know, unbelievable jump shot, right. basically. And I feel like both of them think that their games are so transcendent. They don't understand why people don't view them as the better player 
than LeBron James. But the thing is, LeBron James never hates on either one of those guys. He always gives them their props. The reality is LeBron's a floor general and he's just commanded, you know, he, he's been the best player on multiple championship teams and he's been far and away the best player in ways that Kyrie and KD haven't. He's, and he's been to, he's got more rings than both of them combined. And in this case, I just feel like LeBron had to sun Kyrie. Uh, one thing, one thing right quick before we move on for Kyrie to talk all that stuff about, you know, I've only had confidence in myself to make clutch shots before playing with KD. Dude, you were on a 16-17 win basketball team <laughs> until LeBron joined you. You were last place in the NBA. Then LeBron joins you, and you go to three straight finals. Like, just from, you know, basic basketball knowledge perspective, anybody can – like, just what you're saying logically does not make sense. So – you know. The numbers, the statistics don't bear it out. Exactly. The numbers don't it's lie. Just a, it's a extreme case of inflated sense of self and no actual real perspective <laughs> on like what where what role you played in this whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Now, let, it was an extremely important role, but it was you were only able to do the things you did with his presence. Right. Exactly. So we'll leave it at that. Let, let's get to the more the more important, more intriguing beef. Paul George, PG-13, and Doc Rivers. So, Paul George is on the All the Smoke podcast coming, dropping this week, actually, December 10th, I think. Man, I Googled that podcast so many times this week trying to, trying to see if it had dropped already. <laughs> I'm like, like, if I, they don't get these garbage other podcasts <laughs> out of here, we want to see the Paul George one. I, how you drop How you drop a clip from a podcast that's over a week away? Like, I, <laughs> right, like, just, right. Just drop this shit. We only man. need to pre preview that about three days in advance. So, for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, Paul George goes on all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, and he talks about the, the Clippers, you know, unfortunate ending to the season where, you know, they thought they were going to win a title. Most people thought they were the favorites, and, and it, it, they, they didn't come through. So Paul George comes on the All the Smoke podcast and talks about why he thinks they didn't win it all and, and essentially basically comes out and blames Doc Rivers. Bl blames Doc Rivers for how he used him, how he used Paul George himself, uh, saying he used him in a, a more – J.J. Redick type role instead of the, the slasher, more complete basketball player that he thinks he is. And then he also faulted Doc Rivers for not making adjustments after they were up 3-1 and losing the next three games. He felt like Doc never made any adjustments during those three games to, to alter the outcomes in, in their, to, to their benefit. So I, I'll leave it there for now. Rob, what was your take on, on just Paul Joe's comments in general? I, I just don't we just talked about self-awareness, right? Like <laughs> now we're going to talk about personal responsibility. We got some grown ass men out here, some adults who just lack, you know, some, some basic life skills. You got to take personal responsibility, dude. You went, what was it? Four for 16 uh, in the fourth quarter. Yes. Um, hit the side of the backboard, <laughs> you know, and you out here with a nickname like Playoff P. Stop. And and now you're blaming the coach. I mean, I thought Doc Rivers had the ultimate response, um, which is that Ty Lue was sitting right next to him. So, you know, any adjustments that were to be made, you know, I, I, he, he didn't speak up then. So I don't know what, what Paul George thinks is going to come his way now. Also, I listened to Ryan Rosillo's podcast, and, and he mentioned a statistic uh, regarding, you know, Paul George's complaint about how he was used as if he was a J.J. Redick or something coming off screens. And they said statistically that wasn't accurate. Uh, a large percentage of his usage 
was actually off the pick and roll, which is what he was saying he wanted. Um, so maybe you didn't produce out of the pick and roll. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? That right. was the bigger issue, not the, the fact that you weren't actually put in those situations. But at the end of the day, you know, players went by basketball games and you were up three to one. And not only were you up three to one, if I recall correctly, not only in game seven were they up going into the fourth quarter, but I think in almost all of those those three losses. Every game, every three, yeah. all three games. So at a certain point, it just comes down to putting the ball in the hoop. Like you weren't complaining about Doc's adjustments through the first three quarters, right? right? So every game y'all were coming in and it was working. Maybe he wasn't adjusting because he noticed what we all noticed, which is that it all worked. Y'all just went cold in the fourth quarter because your nerves got the best of you. Um, so I, I just thought it was despicable. And, you know, I got more on that later, but I just thought it was despicable to try to kick a man when he's down. Ultimately, it appears to me and it appears to everybody else that Kawhi and Paul George had Doc forced out. And so why isn't it enough that you got the coach out? You got your coach of choice. You got Montrez Harrell out. You got your Michael Green out. Anybody who had a problem with the way you guys um, were managed, load managed and all that, you got out. Right. And now you still want to go give an interview where you talk bad about these people? I, I don't get it. And I got a personal beef with, with Paul George and this whole, you know, pointing fingers tour he's on now. Because when he was in a bubble and his ass couldn't hit the side of a barn, he was suffering from depression and anxiety. <laughs> now he's out the bubble. They lost. Lakers win. So now he's pointing the finger at Doc Rivers and his lack of adjustments. And, I, and I'll say to the to the – anxiety and depression like personally i suffer from anxiety and depression so like as a person who suffers from it i i find issue with a guy who i felt like used it as a crutch more athletes are coming out and, and suffering from these things and, and the amount of money you make and who you are and, and a celebrity and all that stuff doesn't mean you can't go through those things but when you use it as a crutch to try to avoid criticism now you're out the bubble and all of a sudden you forget the the four for 16. You forget right. the 0 for 10 in the fourth quarter of game seven. And now it's the lack of adjustments. It's how you're being used. So now the whole narrative has changed. But when you were going through it, you used, you used what you thought was a trump card so nobody could criticize it. And, like, I just – to me, that's just the whole move. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Like, if that's what it was, own it. But don't right. come out now and, and change the narrative and it's like, oh, Doc, Doc was a horrible coach. Personal responsibility. Exactly. Also, where was your anxiety and depression? I know it's getting to our next topic. When y'all was cracking up laughing <laughs> at Dane Lillard when he missed some free throws. Stop it. Right. Sp spare me. Right. Exactly. And, and in saying that, I'm, I'm a transition since you brought it up. Paul George got another beef with, with Dame Lillard, right? And, and, and you mentioned it. Him and, and, uh, it. and him and every moment. <laughs> him and Patrick Beverly were clowning Dame Lillard. Talking about go to Cancun, you know, when 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 Lillard missed a free throw. Lillard took it like a man. You know, he owned up, he missed a free throw and, and, and moved on. However, you know, upon upon their ousting by, by the Denver Nuggets, Dame Lillard has not ceased to find any moment he can to get back at Paul George for those comments. And and Patrick Beverly. And Patrick Beverly. So so PG comes on uh Twitter and says he intends to retire a clipper. He wants to retire a clipper or he makes that statement and gets to Twitter. Uh, Dane comes out and tweets showing that Paul George has literally said he wants to retire at whatever he team he's been to his entire career, starting off with Indiana and the Pacers, then going to Oklahoma city and now, and now LA Clippers. So, uh, 
What's, what's your thoughts on on a Dame PG beef? I just I like Dame Lillard more <laughs> more by the day. I mean, just I, I already liked his game. I like the way he plays with heart, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like the fact that he chooses to stay in Portland. And he's a he's a, a Cali guy, so it would seem to make sense that he could just go home. Um, you, the Lakers would love to have him. I'm sure at this, you know, the Clippers would have loved to have him before, right. but you know, he's his own man. Right. And he, he does the best with, with what he's got out there. Um, but I'm just loving the attacks. You don't, it's just, it's, is. I said what I said about LeBron James and wishing that and not want to see two black men fight, but I love this pettiness because <laughs> you don't, you ain't going to try to clown me on the basketball court and then think that you're going to be immune from me clowning you later. Nah, I got, I got all the jokes. I got all the jokes lined up for you. <laughs> Every time something bad happens for you within the confines of basketball, look no further than me for the jokes. And, and they playing with house money. Cause like you mentioned, right. He's decided that he's going, he's going to dig in. He's going to plant the seed in, in Portland. That's where he wants, he says he wants to retire, whether he wins a championship or not. So for him, he playing with house money. Nobody expects Portland to win. He didn't have the talent around him to, to win at a championship level, at least not currently. All the pressure is on Paul George. So, so Dame is just having fun with it, you know, owning everything and just, just having a ball. I love it. I love it. And, and I think this is where Paul George gets himself in trouble because when you, when you talk trash to the little brother and then you don't handle your business, you continue to put all the pressure on yourself and in and, and playoff P you know, you still haven't earned that nickname. How about you win a playoff series before you become playoff P <laughs> but uh, that, that's it for our beefs. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, they'll have more as the season gets started. One last thing I want to cover before we move on. Um, Harden, James Harden hasn't reported to training. Camp. Do, I just on the, on that, that Paul George topic. I mean, we, we didn't really go too much in depth into it, but the idea that, you know, the culture of that team. I, I'm anxious to see this all the smoke interview. I'll say because of the article that came out, which talked about the culture of the Clippers during this first season of Kawhi and Paul George. We've talked about it a little bit off the pod. Yeah, you know, just the the plane having to wait for Kawhi because he lived in San Diego and the amount of time it took him to travel up there. The fact that they were able to control the games that they they took um off and the practice and, schedule. And the practice schedule, it just seems like between the two of them, they came into something that was uh, a well-oiled machine, and now they've broken it all up. And I I'm really interested to see going forward whether or not they can recreate something in their likeness with, a, with their coach, right? Because the thought process was this seven-seed team just needs a star. They right. have the coach, they got the players. Well, now you've pulled out the players, you've pulled out the coach, and you've pulled out the culture. So – what we see next year, the Clippers might be something totally different than than what we've seen the last two years. And I'll say this right quick. If the Lakers repeat, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both have opt-outs in their contracts. So you wonder if the Lakers repeat, you know, AD is still in his prime. Is there a future for them to stay in, in, in the Clippers if they're not winning championships early on? Mm -hmm. But uh, real quick, Harden, he didn't report to training camp. He said he wanted to trade to the Nets. Um, now it's come out that he's also he would he would consider the 76ers, although the 76ers haven't put an offer on the table. Do you think he plays for the Rockets this season? Listen, I'm I'm be honest with you, I don't want to talk about James Harden. I want to talk about James Harden because I saw him uh at Lil Baby's birthday party over the weekend. I think he was in Vegas, he didn't report to camp. 
now he's trying to act like it's some moral stance because he don't want to play for the team. It's like, dude, you were partying, right? Like you were just partying this past weekend. You're not, you're not, you were not getting in shape. You're not preparing for basketball, whether that's for Philly, the Nets, or uh, uh, Houston. And 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 Silas, a new young coach, um, African American head coach, and you yeah. just hanging this dude out to dry. Like and you got this dude in interviews, not knowing what's gonna happen next. Also, my understanding is he okayed John yes. Wall, and now they get John Wall, they get Boogie Cousins, and, and you still don't show up. Right. Um. So I, I'm just kind of losing respect for him by the day. Plus, Lil Baby was out there wilding out. Uh, he got exposed by Miss London. I'll let y'all Google who Miss London is and how he got exposed. But that tells me that James Harden was probably out there wilding out too. And basketball is about to happen in a few days. What's your plan? Uh, the 76ers, they say Daryl Morey is there and potentially, um, you know, a prior relationship with James Harden couldn't make that move. But they also said Daryl Morey doesn't want to get rid of his young core, which I don't blame him. Um, right. So there's no time that trade's going to happen. And then they say he'll accept other teams. And so now it's just kind of like, so is it just about getting out of Houston altogether? Um he might want to speak up. He might want to speak on his own behalf because it's not none of this is making him look it's shedding the best light on him. And then realistically speaking, like you don't want to get banished to some really bad NBA franchise where your career goes to die. Yeah, I mean, back to your point about him okay in the uh, the trade for Wall. Before that, management X Westbrook and Harden about Paul uh, Paul Silas Jr. and they okay that move as well before both requesting a trade after they hired a guy. So it's like, at, at what point then, you know, Harden didn't get along with Westbrook, didn't get along with Chris Paul, like didn't get along with Dwight Howard. Like he's, he's, you know, butted heads with every superstar. He's superstar. He's asked to bring to the team to help him. And now you have a request to go to one team. Like, is, isn't it kind of interesting that you would be gathering together three guys who seem to have not gotten along with any of their best teammates over the years? Right. Right. Right, exactly. And we're supposed to believe that the three of them are then going to get along. And you already know Harden and, and Kyrie. That's just not going to work. It's like the pretty girl who's never the problem in the relationship. Right. You yeah. put three, you you putting three of those people together in the same, you know, uh, a team like and with the rookie head coach. Let's just watch it explode. Rob, sound like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going there on this podcast. Next time, next time. Let's move on right quick. NCAA basketball. Oh, before we go to NCAA basketball, I want to throw a surprise topic at you. Your man Scotty Pippen is out here in the streets saying that uh, he did not like the the uh, Jordan documentary, which we already knew. I'm but about he, to say. he already he actually said that he communicated that to Michael Jordan as well. He didn't like the way he was portrayed in the documentary. Well, anybody who hasn't heard our bullshit chronicles, go check that out. You know, we talked a lot in depth about the the Last Dance as well as Rob mm -hmm. gave his his Michael Jordan. Uh, his infamous Michael Jordan story, but that's not surprising to me, right? Like Jordan's whole documentary was about lifting himself on this pedestal and shitting on everybody else. And, and I thought who the number one turd was Scottie Pippen throughout the whole documentary. If he found every way possible, he made one comment about Scottie Pippen. He said by far that was his best teammate he ever played with in the NBA. You didn't play with anybody else. <laughs> and he started with that comment and proceeded to drop it off of a hundred story building. Cause like from, it was downhill after that. And, and Pippen's quote is basically that he doesn't think it was accurate in terms of really defining how, 
you know, they accomplished what they accomplished in that area of basketball. And um, one could even put that aside and say the greatest team of all time. And he's basically saying like that documentary didn't def- didn't demonstrate, I guess, how great of an actual team they were. He said um, he didn't really feel like it put the team on, you know, the proper, you know, front uh, and that uh, he felt like Michael was really trying to uplift, uplift himself and glorify um, himself. Um, and he thinks that that backfired to some degree uh, because people got the chance to see what kind of personality Michael had. <laughs> so uh, shots fired. Shots fired. So it'll be interesting to see how. And Michael- rightfully so. Yeah, it's just crazy that he waited this long, but it'll just be interesting. I wanted to drop that in there because it'll be interesting to see if we get a response from Michael Jordan in the coming days. Hopefully, you know, in this day and age, everybody got a documentary. So hopefully uh, Scottie Pippen will drop one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's go to basketball, right? Uh, College basketball right quick. Not too much to talk about uh, outside of COVID. Biggest game of the year so far, number one Gonzaga versus number two Baylor was supposed to come on this past weekend. Hour before the game, canceled. Gonzaga came up with a couple of COVID cases, so the game was canceled. And what did CBS do? Instead of showing the game, they interviewed the two coaches for like an hour, which was one of the worst interviews I've ever seen in my life. Just worse than watching paint dry. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe I guess I was wrong last week because there's been more games. But I thought college basketball would have their stuff together, but th- this is not going well to start no, the season. Not at all. And the only thing that's shielding them from you know, criticism is that NCAA football, pro football have, have been just as bad. So it's just kind of because and not only just as bad, it's in the heart of their season. So the <laughs> sports fans are really just watching those sports. <laughs> right. So that, that was all. I just wanted to, you know, throw in that little comment about Gonzaga, Baylor. But that's all we had about basketball. Let, let's move on to college football. Uh, our, our game of the week. We, we highlighted the game last week. Game of the week, college game day. Coastal Carolina was supposed to play Liberty. Liberty came down with the COVID. And a couple of days before the game, Coastal Carolina was able to finagle a, a game with BYU, uh, who both were undefeated. Um, what do they call them? Uh, not, not Power Five. What, what do they call other ones? Mid-majors. I don't know what they call them. Non-power five? I don't know. Non-power five is what I was going to say. <laughs> so the best the best of the non-power five teams uh, play each other. Number 18, Coastal Carolina, against number 13, BYU. A game was in was, was at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina pulled it out. Oh, you meant the – I'm sorry. You meant the group of five, right? Group of five. The, the non-power five other group of five, right? There you go. The, the two best group of five teams. Car- Coastal Carolina in a tight game. BYU 22-17. It actually came down to the last play. BYU threw like a 20-yard pass, and the receiver was stopped on a one-and-a-half-yard line. So it was actually like a great game, very exciting. Um, Coastal Carolina has moved up to number 13, so there's a lot of uproar out there from the group of five you know, fans saying they deserve to be in the top 10 after that win. Rob, is Coastal Carolina legit, and do you think they belong uh, – in the top 10 and ultimately in a new year six bowl man listen first of all i was a little upset because hot wire cable don't come with espnu all right <laughs> so i don't I had to have espnu couldn't and i'm just disappointed that the game of the week was on espnu uh so i had to go back <laughs> and watch this game uh, you know like on youtube the you know the the uh condensed version um but with that being said 
watching the condensed version, I wasn't very impressed with either one of these teams. And I feel like both of these teams, it was a fun game to watch because they were evenly matched and they were, it was hard fought because for them, this was almost like a playoff game for both of these teams. Right. However, I don't think that any of these teams can sniff the jockstrap of a power five team, specifically not the power five teams that we're looking at for the playoffs, right? The idea that BYU would potentially either play in the New Year's Bowl or be in that top four after watching them play Coastal Carolina to me, like, nah, um, don't see it. And also don't see Coastal Carolina as being on that level either. I'll say this. Um, it was an exciting game. No, they cannot compete with the Alabamas, the Clemsons, uh, the Notre Dames of the world. However, I've seen Texas A&M play. <laughs> they, they might be able to beat Texas A&M. I'm not, I don't know. I do believe they deserve a shot in New Year's Six Bowl, especially given the, the COVID season, because so many games have been canceled. You know, there's no non-conference games. I just haven't been really impressed. When you look at the Big Ten outside of Ohio State, who only played five games, Indiana's in a top 10. They lost their starting quarterback. Northwestern, I can't name one player. They got one loss. Um, USC is undefeated, but they only played five games, four games. So I do believe Coastal Carolina has done enough to, to get a New Year's Six Bowl just to make it fun to watch, just to oh, give us a reason. Listen, Coastal Carolina better focus on my raging Cajuns. Stop. Because they beat them 30-27 back in, in mid-October, and they got a date with them in their conference championship. So all of this talk about where they should be may be dead and gone when we get that ass in the rematch. Sound, sound like we need to have a bet placed on uh, the game. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Make it interesting. Got my, uh, I got my Raging Cajuns hat ready. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I don't know if the Raging Cajuns can beat Coastal Carolina, but I damn sure know they could beat LSU. And <laughs> listen, LSU, I knew we was going to get our ass bust. I mean, we were 28 in the points. 28 and a half point underdog in death valley erased that is that that is unfathomable for for one for a team coming off the national championship but for two you're talking about a team we haven't been a 28 and a half point underdog in over 20 years home or away so to be at home coming off a national championship that 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 was just insulting in and of itself and isn't there supposed to be some legend of that that eye of that tiger and tiger stadium at night you know, yeah, the, apparently, the, apparently that I got COVID. Oh, that, that, that I got stomped out. <laughs> that I got it, caught with a mic, caught a Mike Tyson punch. It's swollen yeah. and shut right now. It got pink eye because they shit it all over us on that game. Uh, listen, we lost by 35 points. I mean, it was a, the, the spread was embarrassing enough for us not to cover, but was even worse. Um, in, in 35 points wasn't even indicative of how how dominant Alabama was over LSU in that game. It was 21 nothing in the first quarter. It was, I believe, 38-14 at half. I'm not going to lie to y'all. At 14 nothing in the first quarter, I put put a ring on it. Oh, check it out. Ashley in Hollywood. It's my people. <laughs> uh, but so, so coming out that game, this is really my only question. This is why I bring it up. Is Ed Orgeron's job in danger this year? I just defended Anthony Lynn's job next week, last week. So I kind of have to defend Coach O. Who else did I defend? I defended Doug Peterson's job based off of a Super Bowl that was multiple years ago. So by virtue of that and because of COVID, I have to defend Coach O's job this year. But what I will say 
is that knowing the culture in South Louisiana, I don't think that his job is safe, let's say, to the midway point of next season. Let's say to the midway point of mid next season, because uh, you guys still have Florida this week, right? Yeah. Three and five. You finished three and six this year. Let's say five games into next year, you guys are two and three. I could easily see him being fired at that point. Um, and I, for for reasons that are, more reasons that I'll get to uh, later, but I, I just think that we talked about it off the pod. When your strength is your coordinators, then honestly, part of your resume and how you're graded is your coordinator hires. And we just can't have you out here picking them willy nilly, hitting and missing, and then really successful when you miss. I'm sorry, when you hit, and then just awful when right. you miss. That's just not a good way for a team to be run at a certain point. It's like, well, why don't we just promote one of those coordinators? And then they only need one additional coordinator, right? You keep Joe Brady, maybe you lose Aranda, but you get a different DC. You keep Aranda, maybe you lose Joe Brady, but you just need an OC. And when you keep Coach Joe, you get recruiting, but then you still need two coordinators. And that's hard to consistently hit on in a time when there's a lot of turnover in coaching. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if his job is in danger, but everybody knows who listens to this podcast that I bleed purple and go follow the program in and out, recruiting, you know, players, transfers, opt-outs, all that. I follow it all. Um, I don't know if his job is in danger, but it should be. Listen, this program is falling apart. We are 24-point underdog this week to Florida, and I'd be surprised if we keep it within 30. I mean, how my how the mighty have fallen. As I mentioned, we're just coming off a national championship. Um, and, and here's the reasons why I think old sh job should be in danger. Not only are we three and five, but it's the way we've lost. We've got embarrassed by Alabama. We lost to Mississippi State, who set records, SEC records of offense on us. Mississippi State hasn't won three games this season. We lost to Missouri, uh, bottom feed in the SEC. We've had our best player, Jamar Chase, opt out before the year. Our next best offensive player, our player on the team, Terrence Marshall, opts out after the Texas A&M loss. Our number one recruit last year, Eric Gilbert, tight end slash wide receiver, is considering opting out right now. So, I mean, you've gone from, from losing your, your number one draft picks and players to the NFL to losing games on the field to losing your best players and to now losing, you know, the the – the, the crux of your the future teams. And did you, mention, did you mention the kid out of Lafayette too, Tyler Shelton? He opted out before the season. Right. right. He was the best defensive line we had. I, but I will say though, I feel like that that is part of the reason he gets at least some time into next year though. Yeah, it, it might be, it might be, but I, I'll say this last in his last two coordinator hires where he hired off the staff. First one was Matt Canada about three years ago. It was a complete failure. He fired him after one year, promoted Ensminger, who was already on staff. Brady was a was a graduate assistant essentially for the Saints, who we promoted to, to passing game coordinator. So he wasn't even an offense coordinator and left after a year. Now he forced Aranda out, let made, made Aranda take the bail at head coaching job. He brings in Bo Pelini, his hire, a complete failure, who should by all terms be fired after you know, this year. So both times he hired coordinators from off the staff, both, both candidates or both coordinators will be fired after year one. And if you're not an X's and O guy, like you mentioned, Rob, you have to have 
great hiring practices, which he clearly doesn't. He does, he has not succeeded. And if he can't make great hires, he can't be successful long term. So I'll see, you know, I'll leave it at that, bro. But I'm pissed off. It is, you know, I don't want to be overreactive in a COVID year, but this is unacceptable. Alabama loses players every year. Clemson loses players every year. Listen, my, my team is two and six. We had to cancel the last three games. I'm ready to fire the AD, <laughs> the head coach. I don't need to hear Mike Norvell's name ever again. Um, so I, I totally get where you're coming from. All right. I, I get all I get off the I get off the wagon. Uh last thing in college football, probably if not the biggest top two biggest rivalries in college football, Michigan, Ohio State just announced the day the game is canceled. This is Michigan's second uh canceled game in back-to-back weeks. And Frankly, I think it's a troll job, a troll job by Michigan. <laughs> by Michigan canceling Ohio State, that leaves Ohio State with only five games played. Mich- Ohio State is 5-0. and oh. The Big Ten, before the start of the COVID season, said that every team eligible for the Big Ten championship must play at least six games. This cancellation leaves Ohio State at five games. Rob, did Michigan do it on purpose? Listen, I've already heard rumors that, that Harbaugh's in the NFL job, which would make sense because you'd rather leave for big greener pastures rather than be potentially fired, which is what's about to happen to him at Michigan. So, you know, as a as a FSU fan who saw the end of days in the Jimbo Fisher era and things just went haywire because when the the, the head of the snake is is you know going is basically directionless, the the body becomes a, a mess and and out of control. And this is a year where you need to, you know kind of rally the troops and get these kids on the same page. I, I, I don't think that the administration necessarily got falsified tests or anything of that nature, but I, I could easily see a situation where as players, I have no incentive. I've talked about this before. I have no incentive to basically be responsible and not go to parties and, and do the things necessary to test negative. And if I know that my rival is going to smoke my ass and if I know that if I just don't play my rival, then they potentially can't make the college football playoff. <laughs> like, what better payout is there? Like, get a little COVID, which for a lot of these kids, they're they no you know, most college, yeah, for most college kids, they're just not afraid of it. Um, hell no, I don't put it past them to just have been out there partying and say, F it, I don't care what happens. I think Jim, I think Jim Harbaugh did it. I I know for a fact he <laughs> went find somebody with COVID. Invited <laughs> him over. He's trying to save his job. They did forty-five positive tests. That's a lot of. That's that's a lot of positive tests on one roster. Yeah, that's that don't even make sense. That sounds like they was rolling around in the haystack together, <laughs> rubbing on each other, making sure they had COVID. Yeah, he damn sure did. He was probably in the middle of the pile. He probably got COVID too. <laughs> what about uh? We mentioned Big Ten had a rule where you had to play six games. Do you think there's been talks that the Big Ten may amend this rule? In, right now in order to qualify Ohio State because that's their only chance at getting a school in the college football Well, I guess my question is, can they just make the sixth game be the Big Ten championship? And so they have five games. They play in the Big Ten championship. That's six. And then you let them into the, the college football playoff. So, so the college football playoff doesn't have a, a, a minimum. The, the, the Big Ten had a minimum games played in order to qualify for the big 10 championship oh i'm sorry you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i i yeah i did i did uh hear that as well i think they have to i don't i think they have to find a way around this rule listen we all know that the big 10 commissioner didn't want to start the season to begin with 
and that he was essentially pressured. Even Donald Trump got involved and said that he'd reach out to see if there's anything he could do because he was trying to get those votes in middle America, you know, pop into the future. Clearly that didn't work. He lost Michigan. Um, but the fact of the matter is because they didn't originally intend to play, they got started late and they had no window um, to, to make up those games. I just don't see a world where they can have a big 10 championship without Ohio state and, and, and potentially impact them the college football playoff. I just wonder how does that impact the rest of the conference? Cause by doing that, essentially you knock Indiana out of the, they, they would be the next team up. In that, yeah. Well, in that. they lost to Ohio state. So they, should, <laughs> they should be able to quickly get over it. They also lost their starting quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. And nobody wants to watch the backup from Indiana <laughs> play in the Big Ten Championship. Okay, am I, am I last, my, this is my last question. This is my last question. If and the third place, like the rest of the Big Ten is East is god-awful, right? So, like so this is Maryland, Michigan State, you're talking about <laughs> two and four, two and two, those teams are bad. Listen, 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 this is the question. If Northwestern was the undefeated team at 5-0 and instead of Ohio State, does the Big Ten amend the rule? I think we both know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> this is all Everybody about selling. It's all about selling tickets and commercial airspace, man. Like Big Ten is a fraud. <laughs> fraud. All right, we'll it's leave it. Co- there. It's COVID. It's a different year. You got to make different adjustments. We'll leave it there. That's, that's bullshit. Bullshit. Big Ten. Uh, moving on to the NFL. A couple of storylines before we get into our winners and losers. First, we started the podcast off with this. Carson Wentz gets benched for Jalen Hurts. Have we seen the last of Wentz in Philadelphia as a starting quarterback? I don't think so. so. His His contract contract is too large. large. The only way I would say say that that we've seen the last of him is Phillip Rivers retires in the offseason and Frank Reich, who is his uh, offensive coordinator in the season they started 10-0, finds a way to orchestrate a deal to bring Carson Wentz in. Short of that, his contract is too large and his numbers haven't been good enough um, for anybody to want to make that trade. And I I talked about it on a previous podcast, but I don't have the numbers up in front of me. I think they're a year maybe removed away from the point where they would be in a situation to try to cut him. Um, And I think the Eagles have determined that they're probably out of the playoff hunt right now. And so I think a lot of this is just seeing what you have in Jalen Hurts. And quite frankly, something else we kind of talked about off the podcast, protecting Carson Wentz from just continuing to have a bad year where his numbers look terrible, his confidence goes in the toilet, and you know the fans hate him even more, and you risk long-term damage. And you also put yourself you know, potentially in a position for a, a good draft pick. They're 3-8-1. They have the second um, – they're second to last – ahead of the Cowboys in the NFC East. So um, I don't think that they're doing this move in as a, as a signal that they are completely done with Carson Wentz. I don't, I don't think that's the case. So this is my issue with it. I believe Carson Wentz deserved to be benched. However, I don't know that you can bring him back. He seems to be, have a fragile ego. Uh, there was rumors circulating that he was upset that the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts to begin with. And so to me, should have been. <laughs> to me, a guy that was threatened by Jalen Hurts, a second round draft pick, um, 
if that kind of throws your psyche off to the point of where he didn't even look like a competent quarterback the first 12 games of the year and to the point where you've been benched and it's clear that Jalen Hurts isn't ready to be a starter in the NFL, I don't see how you can go back to him. And even if you go back to him, I don't see his play improving. This benching has done nothing for him except damage his psyche worse than it already was. I, I think the only way Wentz makes a comeback is if it's with another team where he can, he can you know, redevelop his game, you know, reevaluate where he is as a quarterback and, and, and kind of gain some confidence with another coach. I think his, his moving forward with, with Doug Peterson – I don't think it is a. I don't think it's going to happen. Or if it does, I don't think it'll be successful. And Doug Peterson won't be there very long. I think you know one other point to to support my my perspective is with injuries to the offensive line and wide receiver position, which all of you know the Carson Wentz defenders continuously bring up. I think that there's an argument to be made that there's no purpose to running him out here for the last four games when there's nothing to play for. Um, let's see what we have in the backup. And then retooling the offseason and get him some more weapons. Yeah, and I think the person in charge of getting him the weapons will be somebody other than Howie Roseman. <laughs> That's that is probably <laughs> true. Um, NFC East, laughing stock of the football. However, um, Washington and the Giants have made surges lately. They're both a five and seven with four games to go, making it you know somewhat respectable. Um, Washington's last four games at San Francisco, Seattle. Carolina at Philly. The Giants' last four games, Cardinals, uh, Arizona Cardinals, Cleveland at Baltimore, Dallas. Who you think wins the NFC East? I think – I hate to say this. I think the Redskins get it. And I hate to say it because I don't like what they did to my man Haskins. I don't think <laughs> he, he got a fair shake there. But I just think when you look at those two, um, those two, you know, schedules the cardinals are in must win from here on out the browns are surging and they're trying to you know maintain a, a playoff position potentially even win the uh afc north uh two games back of the steelers ravens again fighting to get in cowboys that might be the giants lone win um then you switch to the redskins 49ers are not mathematically eliminated for the playoffs probably two games out from the seventh seed uh seahawks fighting for the division, Panthers, just they've been a respectable team the entire season, but somebody that the Redskins probably can run with, Eagles going to be playing with the backup. So I say the Redskins then get two wins and the Giants get one and put the Redskins in there. I think the, the Carolina – I think the Washington-Carolina game is kind of the, the 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 turning point. That's like the, the game that will decide it all. Mm -hmm. I think Washington loses that game. I think Washington beats the Eagles. I think the Giants beat the Cowboys. So I think six and eight gets into the playoffs and Giants beating Washington twice. They have the tiebreaker. So I believe the Giants get that spot. Um, you mean six and ten gets into the playoffs? I mean, six and ten. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Six and ten. I think the Giants go, which will be by far the worst record ever for a team to make the playoffs with. So that'll be interesting. Um, last thing before we move on. Away. And you blame the Cowboys for that because Andy Dalton was supposed to be the move the best that, backup and then yeah he was supposed to be the move that protected them against the Dak injury and they still been awful yeah um who gets the last playoff spot in the AFC and the NFC who you got here uh last playoff spot in the AFC I think that I'm gonna go with 
it's it's down to the Raiders, Colts, and the Ravens. And I'm just gonna go with the Ravens. Um, they the way they ran the ball tonight is what they're gonna need long term. And I, there's an outside sh- shot for the Patriots, but I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Talking about a team that's got you know was what 14 and two last year, former MVP. I'm just gonna uh, without even going through each team schedule, I'm gonna think that the Ravens find a way to get it done and they get that last seed. And the Ravens beat the Colts, so I think that's kind of where. To your point, the Ravens, you know, they're game back. But the, and the Raiders, you know, we'll get to it later, but the Raiders, Raiders realistically should have lost to the damn Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the Raiders. I, that 7-5 record, I mean, they beat the Saints. You know, they beat some teams they shouldn't have, but, but then they should have lost to the Jets. Yeah, they beat the Chiefs, but they should have lost to the Jets. I, I just think – I don't think they're consistent And they, they did lose to the Falcons 43-6 to the week before. And, and I'll be honest, anybody who gets into the playoffs at that at, at uh, seventh spot, has to go against the Steelers or the Chiefs, whoever you know is right. the number two seed. Smoked, right? Yeah, so I don't think it really matters to be honest. Uh, in the NFC, you got the Vikings with the seventh spot because the seven teams go this year. Vikings at six and six, Cardinals at six and six, Bears and Lions at five and seven, along with the 49ers. Um, who you see getting spot here? That last spot in the NFC, I'm gonna go with. Um, I think the Vikings get it honestly. Um, they have the tiebreaker over Arizona, and because of the division that Arizona plays in, uh, I just think that they're going to have you know the harder last four. They got the Rams and the 49ers in there. Um, so even if they you know they got the Giants, Eagles, 49ers, Rams, I, I think they might go you know two and two, three and one over that stretch. But the Vikings have been surging, and they're in the weaker division, so I think they ultimately get that last spot. I, I like, yeah, I like the Cardinals. I, I just like the quarterback. I like uh, Kyler Murray. I think he's the, he's the better quarterback, although Cousins has been playing well as, as of late. And I, I think while the Vikings play in the worst division, they also, out of their last four games, they play the Bucks and the Saints. Yeah, and I just it, looked at that, and I'm going to change my vote. <laughs> I saw the Bucks and the Saints. You got a Brady coming off of a bye week. And a must you, win. In a must win, he's going to be pissed because they could get bumped out the playoffs. Exactly. So I think that uh, I think there's no way Brady loses. The Saints are going to be in competition for the one seed, and I think Breeze will be back by that point because I think he's going to come back uh, for the Chiefs. Right. And so I think that they lose both of those games, and I think that the Cardinals finish three and one. Once again, Rob's following my lead. Yeah. Well, but uh, let's let's get to the winners and losers. Rob following your leading in picks. <laughs> Good thing. Shit. Uh, Rob, start us off with you. Let me let me run throughout my winners real quick. My first win is a guy I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast. A guy I actually wanted the Saints to draft. If I can't believe it. Went offense. I thought we should go Murray on defense and Jefferson on offense. Justin Jefferson uh, had 121 yards against the Jags this week, um, make making history. He becomes the fifth player in NFL history to reach a thousand yards receiving his first 12 games. Um, he was the number 22 overall pick, five receivers drafted ahead of him. Thought that was uh, super disrespectful. I really wanted to see him opposite Michael Thomas going forward for the Saints. Um, unfortunately, now the rest of the NFC has to deal with this dude for a long time, uh, opposite Adam Thielen, and he's making Kirk Cousins look really good. Uh, my next winner, Errol Spence Jr., uh, IBF and WCBC welterweight champion. He's 27-0 with 21 knockouts. Uh I purchased his fight this weekend for about $85. Um, <laughs> wasn't happy about that price tag. 
Um, but I was glad to see the brother get back in the ring 14 months after a really, really bad car, uh, car crash and win a unanimous decision against uh, Danny Garcia, who's a former um, uh, welterweight champion. My last winner, Baker Mayfield. I felt like, you know, his game, it was a good game. It wasn't like off the charts great, but I feel like we've given this dude our loser so many times <laughs> that I had to finally give him his props when he played well. 25 of 33 for 75% passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 150 attempts, passing attempts since his last interception. Some may argue that the brother is playing better since OBJ went down. I'll just leave that. Stop there. it. Stop <laughs> it. Yeah, I know you got to hate on Odell just because you <laughs> gave I Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I gave too much LSU love. I had to come back. And say, <laughs> Look, right quick. Justin Jefferson is, is on pace to break all of Randy Moss's rookie records in Minnesota, which is saying something. Randy Moss, first time, for, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, considered the most probably physically gifted receiver ever to play the game. Also, instead of spending $85 on Errol Spence Jr. fight, how about you get cable that's got ESPN? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, get to my winners right quick. First off, Miami, Miami Dolphins. I talked about them at the start of the pod. They're winners of seven of their last eight games. They're currently the sixth seed in the AFC. This dude, Brian Flores, coming from the Belichick tree, probably the, one of the most successful Belichick uh, disciples, uh, has come and, and solidified this organization who hadn't won in, in at least 20 years. Um, even with the switch from Fitzpatrick, uh, when they were three and three and see him up like an upswing, they put in Tua to, to a lot of people, just me. Um, they've continued on and they've continued to win. He's building something special, and they got a big game coming up this week against Kansas City. Uh, my next winner is a, a hometown favorite. I got to go with my uh, man, Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, who is now 8-0 in the last season and a half in games that Drew Brees hasn't started. Went 5-0 last year with Ted Teddy Bridgewater, and so far he's 3-0 with Taysom Hill as starting quarterback. So uh, Saints currently sit at the number one seed in the NFC, and we have no room for error being a game up on Green Bay and having lost a head-to-head -head, uh, against Green Bay early in the season. So I got to give a shout-out to my man, Sean Payton. My last winner is Luke Garza. You know, I know we don't have a lot of college basketball fans out there, but this guy's the starting center for the undefeated Iowa Hawkeyes at 4-0. Uh, they just beat UNC tonight, who's having a, you know, 500 season so far. They're like 2-2, two 3-2, and two, three and two, something like that. But this cat... Luke Garza is averaging a double-double on the season with 34 points and 10 rebounds per game. Check him out. This dude, is uh, his first two games, he outscored the opposing team in the first half. Uh, now, Rob, let's move on to your losers. Who you got? All right, my losers. I'm going to start with what we already talked about, LSU getting <laughs> a mud hole, a mud hole stomped in the ass. <laughs> Uh, at home against Bama. And you know the real reason I want to make LSU my loser, um, besides the fact that they started the season three and five and uh, in Ed Orgeron's throwing temper tantrums on the sideline, <laughs> I, I want to make LSU my loser because I'm in a group text with you and a couple of other LSU alum and LSU fans. And I said before the season started that you would severely miss your true offensive coordinator, not Steve Esminger, but Joe Brady the guy who was really calling the plays that led to Joe Burrow's success. All the departures were one thing, but I said that the loss of Aranda and Brady was going to be the more significant issue. And I pointed out specifically 
specifically that Bo Pelini was a fossil. And if the man was at Youngtown, Youngstown State, he didn't deserve to be the defensive coordinator at a team that had won the national championship the year before. Y'all called me a hater. Y'all kicked dirt on my name. I was ostracized in the group text. <laughs> and here we are now. Everybody in the group text crying about what's about to be a three and six season. So I'm making LSU, the university as a whole, y'all included, my first loser <laughs> this week. Gave up 650 yards. It was an embarrassment. Uh, I laughed the entire time. My, se my second loser is BYU. These dudes were 9-0. and They was out here headhunting, looking for a game, trying to get from eight number eight team in the country to into that potential five or six spot so that if Clemson or um, Notre Dame or Bama lost and fell out of the top four, they would potentially be able to jump in and take that spot. The other side of the argument is you just finish out your schedule, play your 10th game, which I believe was maybe New Mexico State or something like that. They would have gotten likely a New Year's, New Year's uh, six uh, invitation uh, to a New Year's six bowl. Mm -hmm. Instead, they went out and sought out this additional game on short notice, disrespecting Coastal Carolina, just going to jump on a plane and fly out there without being able to scout the team. Because on November 22nd, around that time, they were looking at potentially playing Washington. Washington was going to have a cancellation, uh, but Washington has some specific Pac-12 rules that say if another Pac-12 team has a cancellation, they have to take that game instead of the BYU game. BYU being concerned that they would schedule with Washington, Washington would cancel, um, decides let's take Coastal Carolina instead, went out there, got smoked. Their quarterback was out there getting bullied after he threw an interception. They were pushing them <laughs> off, pushing the Mormons all around. And now the list of bowl games that they're looking at is like the Cornflakes Bowl, the Sugar Daddy Bowl, and all kind of other foolishness. And, um, you know, COVID allowed them a year where they could have snuck into a prominent bowl game and gotten some really good coverage for the university on New Year's Day. And I feel like they got a little greedy and now they lost it all. Uh, my last loser. Listen, man, I can't say the name Paul George as a loser enough. First of all, this man. I got to keep taking it back to the disrespect he showed Doc when he cheated on that man's daughter. The NBA fraternity is a small one. And when you go out there and you cheat on another coach's daughter, um, not just a coach, but Austin Rivers is in the NBA. So that's his sister. So you disrespected the family in that manner, right? Then uh, Paul Allen goes to Doc and says, can you take Paul George on your team? Because Kawhi wants him. To keep the peace, Doc says yes. Doc welcomes this traitor into his um, into his his organization like a Trojan horse Paul, horse, Paul George gets in there and essentially gets Doc fired by choking in the NBA Finals and then going to management, saying that the doc didn't make adjustments. And as if all that isn't enough, he then turns around and gives interviews where he lays it on double thick and essentially says to the world that Doc Rivers wasn't a good coach and failed to make adjustments, never taking responsibility for the shots he missed. And at the end of the day, to me, everything about what Paul George is doing just says a lot about his character. And I like him less by the day. So he's my third loser. I can't stand him either. And because of that, I just want to make one correction on your, on your loser with Paul George. You, you, you accidentally said he choked in the finals. I, I will not let you give him, let you give him that much credit. Oh, yeah. He choked in the Western conference semifinals. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. That is, that is a good distinction. This brother choked in the second round of the playoffs. Right. Listen, and listen, lest we forget 
if the because I just I just want to you know give a shout out to this podcast that I listened to about the NBA referee scandal. It's a really awesome podcast about everything that went on, and they brought up the fact um, the 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 uh, unicorn, my guy Porzingis, if he doesn't get ejected. That series looks entirely different, right? And then he ultimately had the injury after. Right. But they they might not have made it out of the first round. Yeah, he was trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure we get that right because because Paul George deserves no kudos at all. Uh, quickly, my losers. First is Greg Williams. This dude calls an all-out blitz with ten seconds left. With the Jets up 28-24, trying to get the first win of the season against the Las Vegas Raiders. And they proceed to give up a 46-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr to Henry Riggs, Henry Ruggs III. He was fired the next day. However, I'm not convinced that wasn't planned. Because, listen, everybody knows the Jets really want Trevor Lawrence. They're trying to stay ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I, I'm not convinced Greg Williams just didn't take one for the team. And he, and he was the Patsy. My second loser, we talked about it, uh, Big Ten. First, they, they started off by canceling the fall season, only to change course after everybody else decided that they would play. Now they create some arbitrary six-game rules to qualify you for the, for the Big Ten championship, only to have the best team in the league and only team worthy of a college football playoff appearance only play five games. So now they're looking at changing the rules and, and, and again, after they, they said they were going to cancel and then they played, it's like they, they can't get it together. And it's a brother over there who's the Big Ten commissioner. So I'm pulling for the dude. But God damn, you know, you, just, <laughs> you make it very hard. Very hard. Uh, my last loser is Des Bryant. This dude, he'd been trying to get in the league for the last two years. He, he signed with the Saints, ruptured his Achilles. He's been out of football for the last year and a half, two years. The, the Ravens bring him on a practice squad. Finally act, put him on the active roster. And the guy tests. He's on the sidelines clowning, taking pictures, looking like he made it to the Super Bowl, only to find out he tests positive for COVID right before the game and is sent home. He then gets on Twitter, like all knuckleheads, and he tweets that he's done with football after, after the positive test. Um, Des, can you not act like my nine-year-old son? Can you just act like an adult? All right. If you want to retire, retire. Nobody really cares. The Ravens would just throw <laughs> you a bone. <laughs> now they do it. Being nice to your ass. Right. And you kiss, <laughs> kick him in the ass. You know, you're talking about you. No, retire. You don't have to tweet about it. Just do the shit. Nobody cares. You're not good enough for any of us, any of us to care anyways. But, uh, you know, that, that's my last lose. I'll finish it off like that. Um, let's get into our picks of the week, man. I'm 16, 17, and one. If you want to win some money, just do the opposite of what I go. Cause at this point, I, if you, you know, want to win some money, go with my picks. <laughs> Rob is 23, 10, and one. I don't know how, probably because he's just been going against me. Uh, um, because I watch the games, <laughs> I watch all as many as I can. I try to watch like 75% of the games every week. I, I didn't get as many in this week because I went to the Dolphins game, and you know how that can be an all day experience. But. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm taking one for the team trying to make good radio, and, and, and my, my record is paying the price for it. So, uh, let's start it off with the first game Kansas City at Miami. Miami is a seven point underdog at home. Rob, who you got here? Listen, I like I said, I just went to the Dolphins game, and that they're tough on defense, but the 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 Chiefs make everything look easy. And to be quite honest, I'm considering going back to see the, to see them this week, just because I feel like Mahomes is a once in a lifetime talent. You got to go see, 
and I love to to watch him and Tyreek Hill play together. I just don't see as as good as that secondary is, and as as hard as as Flores has them playing, I don't see that defense being good enough to stop them, and I don't see uh, Tua in that offense having the ability to uh, keep up with KC. Every time they got in the red zone, I mean, they literally had the most vanilla play calls, two runs up the middle and throw a fade route. And it worked because it was Cincinnati. They just kicked a bunch of field goals. Uh, I say it worked. It didn't actually work. It, they, it was enough to win the game. Right. But they were not successful in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's not going to get it done against the Chiefs. Kansas City um, is playing at another level. Patrick Mahomes is on another level. And with Pittsburgh losing every game matters, um, Kansas City has to pr- pretty much win out if they want that number one seed. So this game is super important. I do like Miami. I, their defense is top three in the league. Like, they, they're for real. I just don't know that the, the Miami offense can score at the pace that Kansas City will to keep up. So I'm going with Kansas City as well. They also play in the AFC East, which is going to kind of – you know, all to your statistics, you got two games to get this job. <laughs> True. Cam Newton ain't doing nothing offensively <laughs> in, in New England to make it hard. True. True. And, and I will say this, Kansas City's, the two games they struggled the most is lost to the Raiders in, in the game this past week against Denver have both been division games. Teams that see them multiple times every year. And so I, I just think it's hard to prepare for the speed and for the 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 multitude of weapons they have on offense. So I, I think Casey wins going away. Um, next game is Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite. Rob, who you got it? I really struggle with this one because I feel like it's kind of must win for the Steelers. But at the same time, I feel like losing Devin Bush, now losing Bud Dupree um, and uh, the, the running back in, in Pittsburgh also was out this past week. They say he's going to be back for this week, but the game being at Buffalo, only a two and a half point spread. You just need a field goal to win. I'm going to very cautiously take Buffalo. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh here. Coming off a loss, I think that was a wake up call. Tomlin called them out after the win against Baltimore in that Wednesday game they played last week. Um, and, and a lot of people predicted Washington win. Washington won. So I think now that they got Pittsburgh got that you know undefeated monkey off their back, they can just get to playing football. Buffalo traveled cross country to Arizona to play the, the 49ers. Um, so I think that long trip, and it was on Monday night. So I, I think that long trip is going to hurt them um, and, and on a shortened week. So I'm going with Pittsburgh on the road with the, uh, you know, taking the points and winning. Last game is a pick em game Baltimore at Cleveland. Baltimore destroyed Cleveland in like week three of the season, week two or week three. Who you got there, Rob? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the really interesting part, right, is that they played once. It was 38-6 the first time they played. Um, but Cleveland is rolling, you know. Cleveland is rolling. And the Ravens, yeah, they won big tonight, but it was the, the Cowboys. Um, so I'm going to go with Cleveland here. I'm going to take uh, the – the uh, home team, um, and it's since it's a pick em, and go with Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore. Uh, Cleveland is on a roll. Baltimore seems to be reeling a little bit. Even in a win tonight, they didn't look great. That defense didn't really, you know, didn't really stop Dallas. Dallas missed three field goals and still put up 17 points. They never really put too much pressure. They never sacked uh, Andy Dalton, and they got one interception off of a tip. So not really creating a lot of turnovers, not getting to the quarterback effectively right now. But I just think Baltimore is a division game. They've got Cleveland's number. I don't see Baker Mayfield having back-to-back performances, great performances. I just don't think he's 
consistent enough, you know, quarterback to do it. So I'm taking Baltimore on the road. And, and listen, and to support your point and kind of cut against mine, you look back at Baltimore's like last six or seven games and this this run that they're on, they beat the Bengals, they beat the Texans, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Jaguars. And, and the one respectable win in there is the Titans um, in a game that they got up early and, and had to fight the Titans off. But right. in that stretch, the losses were to the Steelers and the Raiders. So the only probably over 500 teams that they played, um, they lost to other than the Titans. So, Yep, exactly. So that's all we got, man. Uh, anything else before we head out of here? No, nah, I don't get nothing else. But uh, that podcast, I had a name for you all next week. It was really good on the NBA uh, referee scandal. Cool, cool. We see y'all next week. All right. We got it. Peace. Body hop up in the back of the truck. We about to head out women. Licker niggas, chicken playing chicken. Them stank hoes, them fucking hoes, them messy hoes. We can't play for it. 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 Play